Good morning, family. Really appreciate Larry's message this morning about just being sacrificial, also about just being poor in spirit. You know, I was reading in the uh, New Living Translation, it just talks about how somebody is poor in the spirit is like somebody that sees their need for God and just felt like, man, you know, I I really need to have that in my spirit more. Um, What I'm going to talk about this morning is connection. Larry and I had talked a couple weeks ago, and we were like, what can we talk about? <laughs> and he changed up a little bit what he was going to speak about this morning, and then I changed up a little bit what I was going to speak about this morning. <laughs> you know how the spirit works, right? So uh, one thought that I, I want to leave you guys with is um, connection takes a personal philosophy based on Jesus's and the apostles' teachings. Connection. I've been thinking a lot lately about what, what makes us happy, what makes us feel that sense of fulfillment in our hearts. You know, ever since um, my dad died a couple years back, um, I've wrestled with, and just the whole process, you know, I've just kind of wrestled with different bouts of depression, uh, loneliness, or just feeling different things, you know. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, Edgar preached on what we could be doing for free. Did you guys catch that? And I thought, man, I was so convicted by that. I was like, man, what do I need to be doing for free? That doesn't cost anything because, you know, sometimes when you're doing work, right, you expect to make a profit. Well, Christ's work, there is no physical profit. We don't peddle the word for profit. But I think it resonated with me And again, a few of us, because so many of us have become profit-driven and centered. We start thinking about, what do I get out of this? And sometimes it's not just about money, right? Sometimes it's just, what do I get out of it? Our ambitions and motivations start with feelings and thoughts that investigate the cost in taking some action. Okay, if, if I go help this person move, that means I can't hang out on the couch watching Netflix and eating and hanging out and just chilling, right? Because aren't we always looking for ways that we can be in a convalescent state? Isn't it true? This is human nature. We look, how can I just do nothing because I've worked my butt off all week? I don't know how you guys think in your heads, but that that happens in my head. I say that to myself. I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. You know, I want to watch my favorite show. You know, we're always feeling like we could use some more rest. A lot of time, the best of us have been, um, I'm sorry, a lot of time, the best of us have, has been given uh, to people at work, right? So when you think of it, my wife sometimes would tell me, man, you, you give the best of what, who you are sometimes to the people at work. And by the time you get home, you have nothing left. You got to appreciate spouses because they see the worst of you and the best of you. <laughs> right? We've given our best. You wake up early. You know, when you, when you start off the day, I'm not sure if you and, and I don't mean you being a morning person because not everybody wakes up all chipper and stuff like that. But um, we have two people at our house that wakes up really chipper in the morning. It's myself and Jasmine. And then Canella and Imelda, they'll wake up and be like, hold up. It's, it's a slow... <laughs> 
process. And it's okay. They'll wake up, you know, it just takes them a little bit, you know. But in, in the morning, which you'll find probably that you do your best work, whether you're a morning person or not a morning person. Well, sometimes people do, you know, get the best going in the, in the evening times. But the point is, at some point, you may give your best to something or someone that isn't what you want it to be the best for. We should give our best probably at all times. That I'm just saying, sometimes I can give my best at work, and then when I get home, I'm tired. Right? You know, so it leads me to thinking, am I giving my best just to earn money, to pay the bills? And those are noble things that we have to do to take care of our families, right? But at the end of it, am I giving my best there? And then when I get home, my spirit starts to sag. Because you know what I'm talking about. You can give your best. Because if all of a sudden your boss showed up, right? All of a sudden you have that little extra that can kick in. <laughs> So in the same way, why can't we give our best and our extra to our families, to the church, to the people we're reaching out to? Because I think about when there's a call to service, how we have that internal battle of prioritizing what's really important, right? And if we can get out of doing that work, that extra work, we'll, we'll tend to do that. What if we lived our lives, though, with simplicity so that we can, could be free to serve God more. What if we drove beaters? And I'm, I'm telling you this, but I'm not making any judgments on you. So, so don't, don't take that from me because I don't want you to get that. And we're all in this. But what if I drove a beater instead of upgrading my car to that next level so I wouldn't feel compelled to do extra work to make overtime to pay for that car? But I could give that time to doing something great for God. And here's what's one that's really convicted to me personally. What if instead of spending time watching Netflix or Hulu every night, I'm spending time serving somebody, connecting with somebody, calling someone, right? And I'm not looking at my phone. What if I looked at my, my uh, phone, it said that I spent over four hours a day, you know, on my phone this week. You know, whatever it is that I'm looking up, I don't know. We're all uh, crazy a little bit, right? We're all kind of addicted to these things. Every few minutes we're checking the news, checking the same stuff that hasn't changed, right? I check MSN, I don't know how many times a day, checking to see if anything has changed, nothing changed, doesn't matter, doesn't impact my life, doesn't impact yours. All right? But what if I spent those extra hours doing something meaningful? Studying, learning something new. How, what if I, we all learn new instruments? Man, we had the greatest band you know, in the church history because we all learned a new instrument. I'm just saying we spend so much time doing nothing. Empty time. What if we made it our goal every week to connect to God and a couple of people in our fellowship in a way that really truly took sacrifice? What if we sat down, pulled out a pen and paper, and, and did a personal brainstorm on what we truly value and provides personal inspiration, something that really provides inspiration for us, so that we could have that internal motivation that it takes in order to be able to give to someone else? You know, I was thinking about, um, you know, have you, ever, have you guys heard of Eliud Kipchoge? Kipchoge? He's the Kenyan that just broke the world record, first person ever to run under two hours for 26.2 mile marathon. 
unbelievable. You guys, running at that pace, it's like four, on average, you're like about four and a half minutes per mile for 26 miles. He, he runs and practices out 7,000 feet up into the air in this little village where he lives and trains. He's worth tens, over $10 million and he lives so simply. But what's so interesting is that he runs about 120 miles per week just to train for this marathon, okay? He wanted to do something great, so, you know, how much Netflix do you think he watches? <laughs> what could you do, what, what could you push yourself to do if you didn't waste so much time doing nothing? Well, you're doing something, just nothing profitable. <laughs> and I'm in the same boat. Recently, I was talking to a director at my company and he enlightened me on um, the need to work on my personal brand. And we talk about this, right? Have you heard this idea of you need to be working on your personal brand, who you are, how you come across? Who you are now is a brand, right? Michael Jordan, that's a brand. It's not just he was the greatest basketball player, he's also that part of Nike, he's also so. When you think of your career in corporate world, everybody has a sense of who your brand is. They either like your brand or they don't like your brand. Another way to say that, your reputation. Okay, so he was talking to me about, you know, working on my brand, my reputation, and, and making sure that every interaction counted, and that every time I meet somebody or interacting with someone, it's like I'm interviewing. What if we approach our inter interactions at church that way? I'm going to put this up just a little bit. What if we approached it that way? Not that we're interviewing, we're putting our best foot forward. What if in every interaction with another disciple, we took the time to encourage, pray with, or engage in some form of meaningful conversation? What if, it, what if we became the type of people that always brought something to share with others, look for ways to appreciate one another and celebrate our differences and to learn about new perspectives? What if we focused on inclusion instead of trying to find people that think just like us? You ever notice those are the type of people we try to surround ourselves with? People that we in our minds feel like we could relate to? What if you can't relate to somebody? Isn't it more like Christ then to go and seek to figure out how you can build with that person and learn from them and they're so different, right? Let's look, open our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2 verse 42 and talk a little bit about the fellowship of the believers. It said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give as to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." What does it mean to you when people denote, uh, devote themselves to you? How does that make you feel inside? I'll take some responses. Appreciated. Appreciated. What else? Loved. Loved special. Cared for. Cared for. You matter. 
How would it make you feel if when you walked into church every single time or you met a disciple and we made each other feel that way, that that person that you just interacted with, they had your best intention and, and your best interest in mind? What if you could count on the fact that people devoted themselves to the word of God, that you know that they were going to have something to share with you that's encouraging. I appreciate Sherry sharing that passage earlier. You notice she didn't look at her Bible? She memorized that scripture. Has something on her heart. What if you knew that you could count on someone to break bread with you consistently every single week? Right? That you could just, you just know somebody's going to show up and, and they're going to be like, look, I brought some food over or hey, what do you got? <laughs> or maybe we just potluck it, whatever it is. But somebody's coming over to spend time with you or you're going over to somebody else's house to spend time with them just to connect. What if every week you were devoted to praying with a few people every week and there was a sense of devotion and you can do it in person or you could do it on the phone. It doesn't matter. But the point is somebody's going to call you and there's going to be a time of prayer and we're going to connect. How about that people would sacrifice for you? Will you be able to be that person for someone else? Will you give your devotion to someone else like that? What if we were always together and not just once a week? Because right, when we look at the model in the first century, that's what they did. They met together in the temple courts. They sacrificed. They finished their work and they went to the temple courts. Everybody was hanging out to connect. What if we made sure that no one in our fellowship was in physical need? You see, the first century Christians, they were willing to sell their property and possessions. And we focus so much on that in a materialistic society that we live in. We're all influenced by it. It's hard not to be influenced by it, you guys. Do you meet with someone daily or at least have daily contact with other Christians? Right? They met together daily. And it's not a command. It was just something that they did. Now, it does say encourage one another daily, right? So you could take that as a command. Figure out someone to encourage. How often do you invite people into your homes just to break bread and to praise God? So think about when people saw the first century Christians, they were amazed by the devotion, the encouragement, the love, the depth of conversation, the praising God, the, the, that sense of fulfillment, the sincerity, because they weren't trying to get anything. Instead of trying to take something from you, they wanted to give something to you, right? So people were attracted to that. Well, no wonder God was able to add to their number daily those who were being saved, Point number two, connection takes work. Work is produced from faith. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I got to thinking about the reason anyone would want to be this devoted to another human being is because they really believe the promises. They really believe the scriptures. They really believe what God had to say. They believed his messengers also known as apostles, and the promises that God had, right? So it was an issue in my mind of faith. It takes an authentic faith to cause a person to be willing to sacrifice and give up everything in order to follow Jesus, doesn't it? Because again, we're always looking at what's it really going to cost us to give that much? We all feel 
comfortable with a, a certain level of giving, don't we? But when it gets past that threshold of my comfortability, what's it going to cost me? Am I really willing to lose that sleep? Am I really willing to give that money? Because I have plans for that. That Toyota that I was going to get with L on it, it's a Lexus. <laughs> Maybe I can't get that. I don't know. Maybe you can still give and get that too, and that's great. I'm just saying, whatever that level of personal cost for you is, and we all have a different level, you got to think about that. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. I love to talk about marketing and branding and how we always get fooled to buying the luxury stuff. And they are a little bit nicer. I will say, I sat in the back seat a couple of those, man. You know, <laughs> I don't think I've ever driven one. They sure are nice. All right. First Thessalonians 1, 2. We always thank God for all of you and, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Work is produced by what? It says it's produced by faith. You believe, so therefore you work. You are willing to labor. What's it prompted by? Love. Love. Right? Doesn't it feel good to give? Doesn't it feel good to be refreshed? Right? He refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's a paradox. Or it talked about, mentioned earlier, that I, you know, always consider what truly is going to make me happy and make me fulfilled. It's not the Netflix that I'm watching every night or the Hulu. It's giving of my time, of who I am to someone else that's going to truly fulfill me. It's a mess because we just want to be at convalescence and then the thing that really fulfills us is working, which is not at convalescence. It's the opposite. That's, that's, God is, has a great sense of humor. If you can't realize that, it's just amazing, right? All right. So work is produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and your endurance is inspired by hope. It means... When you have 26 years in the Lord, like Kamara, and been through what she's been through, she has a hope. She's willing to endure. She's willing to push through and, and, and spiritually, in a way, you know, run that marathon. Because she has a hope. But we definitely need to encourage one another daily as the Lord calls us to because... The Bible also talks about, and the warning is, is if you don't, somebody could be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What will be one of the tests of the authenticity of our faith? It's going to be our work and labor, y'all. When we have to stand before God, when that knee is bowed before the Lord, he'll remember our work and labor. Because that's authentic faith. Not that... Remember, he says, and James, his brother, said, hey, I'm glad you believe. Good. Even the demons believe and shudder. Yeah. <laughs> right? But your faith must be completed by works. It's your work and your faith working together that really God counts as authentic faith. It's not just one or the other, right? But our work is evidence of our faith, not the kind that comes easy but to us, but the work that causes us to have to count the cost. The work that causes us to have to deny ourselves. The work that causes us to have to die to ourselves and give up everything so that we can work for Jesus. That's authentic faith. And when you did that discipleship study, that's what you signed up for. <laughs> that's what I signed up for.
When we spend this type of time together, devote ourselves to one another, to listen with empathy, to suffer together, to encourage one another, sacrifice whatever we need to in order to meet each other's needs, we will have the type of connection that others want. My prayer is that our faith will grow to produce labor and work and that the work will produce connection, fulfillment, and joy. And from all of that, we will get a reputation of loving one another so that Jesus' words may be fulfilled among us. You will know my disciples by the way they love one another. And that's the brand that God wants us to have. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.